Thank you, friends, for taking a few minutes this evening to listen to Engaging Truth. You are hearing this interview in particular because someone's gift to ELM made it possible. As you listen to the last part of this message, would you prayerfully consider making it possible for others to hear by giving to ELM? And so make your gift to ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Your gift is tax deductible and you'll receive a receipt. Thank you. The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to another edition of Engaging Truth. Today on the program, we have the Reverend Dr. Lawrence White, Senior Pastor of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Houston. And Dr. White is a nationally renowned speaker on the subject of Right to Life and Life Sunday. Welcome to the program, Dr. White. So as we enter, uh, you know, 2021, people have wrapped their minds around the coronavirus, and that seems to be the only thing that's on the news. And we heard that uh, coronavirus deaths in the United States recently topped 2 million, so it is serious. But it is not the same number as that of um, uh, abortions, and abortions are uh, recently read to be the number one cause of death in the world. So uh, why do you think we've gotten to this point, Dr. White, where we're focusing on one thing and not another? Well, I think, you know, our adversary, the devil, is a gradualist. He moves in such a way that uh, we don't notice what he's up to. If we had known Laban 
First Corinthians. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you did. Well, in First Corinthians 10:23, the Apostle Paul said, "All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful." And um, you know, I think you and I are agreed that um, adoption would be a healthy response to a pregnancy that was unwanted. Um, are you familiar with the uh, Dublin Declaration of uh, delivery room doctors and staff saying that there is now, with the advancements in medicine, there is now no reason for a, a child to be aborted uh, to save the life of the mother medically? Mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, we, as this has been going on now for nearly 50 years, in the early days, we assumed, we hoped, that as medical technology advanced, abortion would become unacceptable and obsolete as we learn more and more about the humanity of the unborn child in the womb. And that has indeed happened, at least the advancement of medical knowledge component of that has happened. We've learned about the the sensitivity and the identity of that unborn child We've learned when the heart starts beating and the body starts moving and the the fetus can respond to stimulus from the outside in a remarkably sophisticated way. Uh, but as that technology 
has advanced, so has our moral insensitivity. We know about what the unborn child is aware of and what it isn't and how human it actually is, but it no longer matters. And uh, our ability to disregard that humanity as our morality becomes more and more debased is progressing more rapidly than uh, medical advancements in technology. And once again, that's exactly what happened in the totalitarian states of Nazism and communism in the 20th century uh, as they conducted grotesque medical experiments on the uh, the inferior races of Jews and gypsies, those doctors and the attendants and the guards and the, in the SS units in the camps all became so hardened to what they were doing that it, uh, it just was automatic. The devil is a gradualist, he is patient, and he works one little bit at a time, as we said earlier, and that's what's happening in America. We have become so uh, enraptured by this lifestyle that says, I'm all that matters and my pleasure may not be obstructed or limited or restricted in any way, no matter what the cost may be, all the way up to and including the death of anyone who is, or who at least in my view constitutes an obstacle to the fulfillment of that pleasure, has become the irrefutable number one priority of life. And if sexuality is going to be reduced to the level of mere recreation, beginning uh, for 40% of the young people in America in middle school, then that means that uh, the unborn are, remain, uh, are going to remain victims because they are obstacles to that obsession with personal satisfaction that has become the primary American norm. So we have um, temptations, and we also have been desensitized, as you're alluding to, with uh, you know our our desires for uh, sexual freedom that uh, are contrary to God's will for us as uh, uh, His children, and also for family. Uh, so, how should the church approach uh, the changes in our country? You know, now we've got a uh, a different. Uh, uh, government coming into power and uh yeah and and so so we've we've come from one administration that has been strongly pro-life and now there's a, another administration coming to power that is uh has said that they're not so in favor of pro-life so what should the witness of the the church collective and church members individually be well john adams once noted that the problem with democracy is that you get the kind of government you deserve. <laughs> Our leaders reflect the uh, amorality, the absence of morality that prevails in many of our people. The church must, first of all, recognize that this whole construct of the absolute separation of church and state is a falsehood. It is a pretense. And for us, as pastors within the church, we look out at our congregation and we must recognize 
realize that uh, abortion is only the tip of the iceberg. Abortion is the consequence of the degradation of human sexuality. You used a moment ago the word sexual freedom, and that's the way the devil works. He loves that word freedom. We are liberating this and liberating that, but it's not freedom at all. It's bondage to my own desires and to my own lusts. And what the consequence and the result of that is the trivialization of my humanity. As we go back in the biblical record all the way to Genesis and the creation of human beings as male and female, it is a wondrously a blessed process, carefully designed by God to give us the a love and a commitment of one man and one woman in uh, love to one another for life that is as close as we can come, we human beings, fashioned in his image and his likeness to the love of God. And what all of this does is deprives us of that and lowers our sexuality and the physical sensations that are a part of that sexuality to nothing more than the selfish pursuit of individual pleasure, which makes me no different than any other animal and deprives me of that precious relationship, that unique opportunity that God designed for us in holy marriage. And I, as a pastor, must recognize that abortion is simply the the pinnacle, the the tip of that iceberg. That is the the uh, sensualization of the lives of my people. We have rampant divorce. We have the the destruction of marriage. The birth rate is going down among our people all the time because, let's face it, children are expensive. They're the biggest responsibility we're ever going to get. They're also the greatest blessing with that responsibility. And what the devil has done in his carefully devised strategy is deprived us of all of that and debased us to the point where in order to experience that selfish, isolating pleasure, I'm ready to take a human life. Who would have thought such a thing could ever happen? And as a pastor, as a shepherd of the flock, my responsibility is to help my people discern what's going on here on the basis of the word. This is a poison that permeates every part of our lives and deprives us of the quality of uh, the humanity which God gave us originally fashioned in his image. This isn't about uh, Joe Biden or Donald Trump. They're just the reflections of political movements within the culture. And we as Lutherans, heirs of the Reformation, with Luther's uh, incisive doctrine of the two kingdoms, recognizing God at work in both the church and government in different ways, we're the ones who got this right biblically, and we ought to be the ones who most effectively are able to respond to it. But sadly, that's...
Recently, you had a message that's posted on your website, a sermon message, about the sin of silence. Could you go into that a little bit? What is that sin of silence? Well, our responsibility as Christians is to proclaim in word and deed the truth of God. We are called to be the stinging salt and the shining light and the gleaming city set high upon a hill. We are to show God's way and God's word. And if we are ready to do that, then we're going to be in trouble with the culture. We're going to be the faithful remnant that is unpopular and persecuted because the devil always has the majority in this world. The devil always has the numbers and the noise. That's the way it must be. And we as Christians cannot if we are to be faithful to the word of God and practice the love of Christ, cannot simply stand by and let this happen, not only to protect ourselves, but to witness to the society in which we live the, the cost of sin, the damage sin does. When God forbids something, it's not because he wants to be repressive and limit our enjoyment. When God forbids something, it's because he loves us. And that which he forbids is destructive. And if we allow that destruction to take place, then we fail to witness to the care and the compassion and the love of Christ. You know, we were faced this past Sunday uh, with the uh, impending inauguration of the new president with the first uh, opportunity to mention uh, President-elect Biden in the, in the prayers for the church. Right. Now, how do we go about doing that with an avidly pro-abortion president? Again, as a student of church history, I look back to our Lutheran experience in the 12 years of the uh, reign of Adolf Hitler in Nazi Germany. Too many Lutheran churches went through that whole period just adding the head of government to their prayers, praying for the Fuhrer. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, while Jews were slaughtered by the millions. Yes, we should pray for our president, but we should pray that God in his mercy would turn him from the path of death to the path of life. We must make the witness. We cannot stand silent. Cain once asked after the murder of Abel, am I my brother's keeper? Well, the answer is yes. If we're going to be like Christ, we have the obligation to speak the truth, to denounce the lie, to defend life in the face of sinful fascination with death and self. That is our responsibility. Thank you for listening to Engaging Truth. This program has been on the air since 2007, originating from Houston, Texas. We are a nonprofit Christian radio media organization with a 501c3 designation from the IRS. So your gifts in support of this ministry are tax deductible, and a receipt will be provided with each gift. Your radio pastors, elmhouston.org, are volunteers, and we do not receive financial compensation for this work. So your donation goes far in support of 
of Advancing the Kingdom of Christ. We interview guests who are active and often very innovative in their approaches to sharing the good news of Jesus. Please visit our website, elmhouston.org. And won't you also take a moment to support what you hear, that others too might know that the Lord is doing great things through His people on earth. Thanks again for listening. So bringing this to a gospel conclusion, uh, what is the difference that uh, Jesus' death on the cross makes for us uh, today and for eternity? Well, you see, of course, all of this uh, is about life. John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. God created us for life. When we forfeited that life by our disobedience, God sent his only begotten son to live the perfect life that none of us could ever live, and then to die as our substitute on the cross so that we might be restored to life. For God, this has been about life from the very beginning, and the price that he was willing to pay to bring us back to life is beyond human imagination. That's the essence of the gospel. God is pro-life, no matter what the cost, and so must we be. Very good. How could our listeners uh, check in and hear some of your uh, messages? Well, you can go to our church website, uh, Our Savior Lutheran Church, uh, here in Houston, and uh, either to the website or to Facebook and all of that stuff, and all <laughs> one of the... Uh, one of the more pleasant uh, side effects of COVID is that now all of that, even though we are back to on-site services, all of that is broadcast every Sunday. We will be having uh, Pro-Life Sunday this week once again, and uh, you'll be hearing a lot of those kind of things if you tune in, and you are welcome to do so. All right. Well, thank you for being with us and giving some uh, encouragement to our listeners. Join us again real soon for another edition of Engaging Truth. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you. Thank you, friends, for taking a few minutes this evening to listen to Engaging Truth. You are hearing this interview in particular because someone's gift to ELM made it possible. As you listen to the last part of this message, would you prayerfully consider making it possible for others to hear by giving to ELM? And so make your gift to ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Your gift is tax deductible and you'll receive a receipt. Thank you.